Praise the Lord. Lord, how wonderful it is in this place. Amen. I just want to share a thought with you that the Lord gave me in the prayer room. Amen. And it's already happening. Amen. And we want it to continue as long as the Lord, amen, moves. And it says, uh, St. John 7 and 37 says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, the scriptures has said, Out of his belly shall, shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. If you want God to water your soul, you got to let it flow. Amen. It's flowing now. It's still flowing. Amen. Let's just raise our hands again. Let's just worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you have a need in your life, if you have a need, if you'll just let the Holy Ghost flow, amen, he'll begin to heal you of it. Amen, hallelujah. Through worship, God flows and moves. Let the Holy Ghost just flow. There's some of you, and you haven't even touched his throne yet. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why let anything, amen, in our lives hold us back, amen, to keep the Holy Ghost from flowing in our lives, the Spirit of the Lord. How I many? He is our life. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 We can sit on our seats and, and watch the Holy Ghost flow from different ones and, and see their anointing. <laughs> but the reason they haven't, they were willing to let it flow. They were willing to have a relationship with Jesus. I know what it's like to sit on the seat and let things hold you back and, and you look and you want it, you desire it. But oh, when we fall on our faces, and Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. His spirit will touch everything. It will water your life. The blessings of God will flow as the spirit of God flows. And not only that, it will do for you what it's doing for us. Pastor, everybody that's letting the Holy Ghost flow is touching me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Savior. Come on. Oh, somebody needs to reach up and touch Jesus tonight. Reach out and touch him as he goes by. <laughs> There's going to be times in your walk in life that you're going to need him. And you're going to need that relationship with him. You're going to need that flowing of the spirit in your life. As, as a brother said, he, he received his healing. I'm walking around with a disease in my heart that nobody can do anything about it but Jesus. And I want his spirit flowing in my life. Because I look for the day when he says, run. I can't run, but I'll run. To, to be healed and delivered. I sat on the side of my bed just recently and I said, Jesus, I can't take a pill. 
I can't take anything that will take this out of my heart. And only you can do this. But I remember a few years ago, quietly one morning, Jesus spoke to me with the same voice that spoke to Elijah. And he just simply said, will you trust me? And I thought, what's going on? He didn't tell me what to trust him for. And I sat there and I said, Lord, I remember. I remember when you said, will you trust me? And that's all I can do. The doctors are doing all they can do. Just recently, I, they took out the pacemaker defibrillator. It's not quite healed yet. It's to be the 23rd this month. And they put in a C, CRTD, which is a cardiac resynchronization therapy. It's a third wire that goes into the electric part of my heart. I need the Holy Ghost flowing in my life. We never know what's coming in life. I had walked around several years with this disease in my heart and didn't know it. Until it started getting worse and then it progressed fast to the point that I died on a boat to a year ago in South Carolina. I really didn't believe I'd die because I could still hear my wife talking and the pastor and his wife talking. And I heard her saying, I can't get a pulse, but I'm thinking I'm alive. I hear you. My sister died in the ER a few months ago. They had to put a pacemaker in her heart also. But she was there to where they could put a drip in her arm and do the cardioversion quickly and brought her back. She said, but I could hear everything they were saying, but I couldn't see. And I thought, that was me. I really didn't believe I'd die. But I could hear, but I couldn't see. I could think. But God moved. Amen. If you don't think you need Jesus flowing in your life, I'm not trying to scare you. Amen. I'm just telling you, Jesus said, if you will let my spirit flow in every aspect of your life, I will bless you. Amen. And he will bless those around. When, when water flows, brother, when it, it it does just flow in a little stream. A flow is not a, it's not a small stream. It spreads out. It spreads out many different directions. But he said it's a river. A river. Amen. There's growth. There's healing. There's deliverance in us. But he said if you will believe on me, I will do this for you. Amen. I love you. Pastor, it's so great to be here. And the Holy Ghost just moving. And Vicky's going to bless us all. Amen. Praise the Lord. I would have loved to just sit and listen to my husband continue tonight. The anointing is here. The Lord gave me these messages for you before I left home. So... The Lord spoke to me a few minutes ago, standing over there by the wall, that this message needs to go forth tonight, that it's for you.
It's for the church. And it's not a normal type message for me. I like all happy things. I'm a, a Holy Ghost uh, fan. I like the book of Acts. I'm a harvester. I love to speak on healing and miracles, and I've seen lots of them. But tonight I have something a little more sober to bring to you if you'll stand to your feet. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to be here again. We love you and this ministry team. We love this church. I'm turning to the Old Testament, to the book of Haggai, chapter 1. And I'm reading verses 1 through 7. Now, let me help you with something. You ever get to a name or a word or a city when you're reading in the Bible and you have no idea how to pronounce it? Well, let me help you. You can do one of two things. You can be a scholar and turn over to your computer or phone and you can say, hey, Google, how do you pronounce? And spell out that word and it will speak back to you the way it should be pronounced according to Google. Or you can just plow right through, pretend you know how to say it, and no one will ever know the difference. And I'll let you decide which I have done tonight. Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and how the house, this house, lie waste? Now therefore, saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. For your hearing tonight, this message the Lord gave me, a bag of holes. You may be seated. A bag with holes. Now, I always do object lessons, and I always give examples, and I have an example. Do we have any hunters in the house? You've been out hunting yet this year. A few hands, two, three, went up. You get in the south, and every, every male in the building from seven years old up <laughs> raises their hand. <laughs> Well, my husband's from Virginia, the mountains of Virginia. I married a mountain man. He is a hunter. He is not just a deer hunter, turkey hunter. He's a bear hunter. We don't believe in hunting just to hunt. We eat what we kill. And so that, I think, is important. 
my husband loves to hunt. Now, if you don't know anything about hunting, you must prepare for this. Like any other thing, this is very important. you got to know what you're doing. I married a man knowing zero about this. I didn't know that your clothes had to be washed in special detergent that will magically take out all the scent. That you would dry it in the dryer with a special dryer sheet that does the same. And then you run very quickly to the outside with those clothing and pack them tight in bags. Seal them up so the scent of perfume or cooking chili in the kitchen doesn't get in those clothing. Because you got to trick those animals and make them not know that you're there. Am I doing all right, honey? So <laughs> he comes bringing in this pile of stuff. And it's before season opens because we got to get ready now. Because he's going to bring home the groceries. And so he gives me this pile, and I put the special stuff in the washer, and we wash those clothes. And I go over to the house where we live next door to our daughter, and I go over and put the clothes in the dryer with that special sheet. And I shut the door, and I'm heading back for the door because we're eating dinner and having a game night over there. And, and, and so I'm heading back. And all of a sudden, before I can get to the door, I hear pow, 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 pow in the dryer well they weren't exploding but it sounded like it but let me help you understand we're in a small condo there in Wisconsin and, and it's a stackable washer and dryer and the dryer's on top and so that sound I mean you get a little tiny teeny rock in there and it, it sounds horrible but this is even louder I go running back and open that dryer and I feel inside and sure enough there is a stray bullet a large bullet large enough for a bear, bouncing around in the dryer, hence the noise. So I retrieve the bullet, and I'm on my way out the door. I've shut the dryer. I turned it back on. I'm headed for the door once again to show my husband what I found in the dryer. When I hear pow, 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 pow. So... <laughs> I go back. There's a mystery involved now. I open the dryer. I take all of this big lump of clothes out, and there are no stray bullets. I shake them. There are no stray bullets. I put them back in the dryer, and I, I turn it on again, and the same thing happens. It's like, like I'm being fired at, and I open it quickly. I don't want to disturb the neighbors on the other side with all of this shooting. <laughs> so I'm frustrated. I get out the overalls that have big deep pockets and I feel way down in the pocket and I feel something, it's not, it's not a bullet. What I feel is a very big deep hole. So I follow the hole all the way down the leg and there, the mystery. In the cuff on the inside are multiple bullets because there was a hole in the pocket. Anybody ever have a hole in your pocket, in your purse lining? You find something many months later you thought you lost or a treasure in a whole pile of change or something because there was a hole you didn't know was there. It is so interesting to me that this prophet came to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor of Jerusalem at that time and he came to him with the word of the Lord. You have to understand that they took notice when the prophet spoke. 
what happened was that temple had laid in ruins for 70 years. Can you imagine the overgrowth, the mess that the temple of the Lord had lain in? And at one point, they got a little fire lit up under them and they started working on it. Because that's what God wanted. Only to stop after two years and leave it laying once again. The temple at this point now had been dormant and laying in waste partially, very partially rebuilt for 14 years. Imagine starting a church or a house or a business project and laying a foundation and just start building and then leaving it for 14 years. You wouldn't have much to go back to or to build on. This is what was happening when the prophet came and he had a word from the Lord. You see, he let them know, you are only interested in your own stuff. We read it out loud. You go and you buy food, but you're never filled. You drink, but you're never filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but you're never warm. I, I always think of it sort of this way. How many of you go to Walmart? Raise your hand. How many of you hate Walmart? Raise your hand. I knew it. That's why I'm putting Walmart way over here. If the camera can't follow me, that's okay. This will just be for you tonight. This is Walmart over here. I'm taking my time tonight because I like to have fun when I minister. You got something better to do, I'll talk to you later. It'll be online. Yeah, this is Walmart over here and... And I got to go to Walmart because I'm all out of groceries. And, and I got my list and I'm, I'm going to Walmart. Now this is before the, the you know, the call ahead pickup stuff. Don't you love that? Oh, I do. I don't have to go in and face all those weirdos that go in their pajamas. <laughs> Did I really just say that? <laughs> don't wear your pajamas to Walmart. That's, just don't do it. And so I get my, my Walmart bag because we, you know, we don't want to waste bags anymore. So we, we have our own little bags. And I take my bag to Walmart and I have my list. And, and I'm, I'm going to get groceries for the week. There's a lot of things I need. And, and I have my list. And I surely have got to have my potassium. So I buy bananas. And I, I, I need apples and coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. Peanut butter crackers. I love those. Blackberry spice. I think I'll try that. And we're all out of pepper at home. Brother Vernon used a lot of pepper. And, and there, I, I love Pop Secret, the butter kind. So I, I got my groceries, and I get to the house. Why such foolishness? Because you'll never forget that right there. <laughs> a bag with holes. Wouldn't it be terrible? To understand that everything I do is of naught. Because I have a bag with holes. What was happening, the Lord was getting a hold of the people. It says in verse 9, Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? 
saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man to his own house. The Lord spoke to me today that there is a call in this very last hour of time not to rebuild the temple that was then, but to rebuild the church of the book of Acts, to get back to apostolic ministry, to make up our minds. We're going to pattern this end time church after that church to get into that book and make up our minds. I'm not going to be satisfied until I live like they lived till I pray like they prayed, till I give like they gave, till I see signs and miracles and wonders, till I see 3,000 filled in one day, until I see what God wants to do in this last hour. It's going to take a stirring, a shaking. It's going to take you and I making up our mind. I need an about face in my life. Oh, I want God to shake me. I want him to turn me around tonight. I want this place tonight to be the place I go back and say that's where it happened. That something happened in me that night and it changed me forever. Hallelujah. They were building their own houses so much like all of us. The history tells us that those Jewish people had built a summer house and a winter house. Now, don't you go home and and say, Sister Vernon said, we can't have nice things. Because that's not what I'm saying. But you better not love your life here and your nice things more than souls, more than building the kingdom, more than the kingdom of God, more than God himself. And if we're not careful, we are going through the motions. And in reality, we are just working jobs, working overtime, making more money to build our kingdom here. Sealed houses. Don't make God blow on your stuff. Don't make him blow on your stuff. He will. I like to preach the love of God. I like to preach what good things he will do. But he is also a God of wrath. And he loves us enough to blow on our stuff to get our attention. And if you're living in a place where you're not giving all, you better look around and see what God might be doing to your stuff. He'll stop blessing. I want you to notice that in verse 2, he addressed these people. Pastor, he addressed them. Through the prophet, as this people. Well, he'd always addressed his chosen people as my people. You see it all through scripture. My people. Those were God's people. But he's stirred up right now. There's a fire kindled. He's getting their attention through the prophet. He's tired of their laziness. He's tired of them building up their own kingdoms. Only eating, sleeping, drinking, being merry, having a good time. He's tired of their laziness. He wants that temple rebuilt. And he has come to them. And he doesn't address them as my people. He's about ready to blow on their stuff a little more. He's getting their attention. Do you think it could be different for us that God would pardon our laziness? He always called them my people. When I saw that in scripture, I wept. I said, God, 
I don't want you to ever refer to me as her. I want to be your girl. I want to be your people. I want to belong to you. Don't let me be deceived in this last hour and think I'm okay when really I'm not building your kingdom at all. Wake me up. Shake me. Blow on my stuff. Take everything I have, whatever that looks like, because i got to make heaven. i got to take people with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't call them my people because they weren't living like his people. You see, they made excuses. Wonder if any of these excuses sound familiar. Well, we can't rebuild the temple because the work is too hard. That was one of their excuses. It's in scripture. It's too hard. Somebody asked you to do something around the church, asked you to teach Bible studies, asked you to witness, asked you to show up for stuff. Well, it's too hard. It's just too hard. Well, there's, there wasn't enough manpower, not enough money. That was excuses they used. Well, you know, pastor wants us to do this and that, but there's just not enough people to get that project done. There's not, not enough money. I don't have enough money to give like we're supposed to give. I, I just have barely enough to get by, so I really can't pay my tithe. I certainly can't. I might, I might eat by with some tithes, but I can't put in any extra. I can't put in any in the building fund. I, I don't have enough to give to missions. That's what they said. Well, we've suffered crop failure and drought. So we got to get busy with our own fields and working on our own stuff. We don't, we don't have time for this because we have a cruise to take. we got a big vacation plan. Not that you shouldn't go on vacation. But where's your focus? Where's your focus? And they said, but the problem is there are hostile enemies that are resisting us. Hostile enemies. The devil doesn't want us to be the end time apostolic church. I love to make him mad. I've learned to recognize when he's mad. He doesn't worry me. If you're living in fear, you better shake that off. You can't be the end time apostolic church and be full of fear. you got to be full of faith. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Hallelujah. The promises are there. Hallelujah. You're going to have hostile enemies sometimes in your own family. Sometimes the devil uses people. Oh, yeah, they're going to rise up against you. They're going to talk about you. They're not going to like what you're doing. (laughs) But then they also said, someone else will do it. That's, I think, the biggest one of all. Someone else will clean the church. Someone else will pick up the trash outside. Someone else will do the yard. Someone else will clean the refrigerator downstairs. Someone else will take the towels that the Vernons use and wash them tomorrow. Someone else will vacuum the floor. Someone else will teach Bible studies. Someone else will show up when we go out on visitation. Someone else will teach Sunday school. Someone else will play the music. Someone else will do it. Bag of holes full of excuses. I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to you. We need a wake-up call. I don't want the Lord to blow on America to where we end up like a third world country before we bow our knee. 
before we run into his arms, before we really need him. Because we've got padded seats and carpeting and air-conditioned and heated buildings. And we have everything we need to just have great revival. And yet we sit in our own seat because we definitely wouldn't move somewhere else. And we sure wouldn't want someone to come in and get our seat. And we have too much and too much going on in our lives. If you're sitting around playing video games, you need to repent tonight. There is no time for that nonsense. Wow. If you're, you're hooked up to Netflix and, 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 and YouTube and you're watching nonsense day and night and you're, you can't wait to get home from church tonight because you've got you to gotta get to that series you've been watching, you're on number nine. And number six turned real bad, and there was a lot of nastiness in it. But you've already gotten to, to, to the sixth in the series. So, you know, now you've got to just turn your head on the bad parts and just see it on through because you got to see what happens. Don't you see the emptiness and the trickery in that? The devil's a liar. He got your life rigged. Where all you can think about is one more entertainment, one more fun, one more time. Maybe it's just an old shoot 'em up western. Maybe it's I, I love Lucy. But where are you spending your time? That's the point. What are you giving your time to? Do you realize the time is short and the days are shorter? Do you realize you wake up in the morning and the next thing you know you're going to bed and it's night? And you say, where has the day gone? The end time church does not have time for all this entertainment and all this junk we're packing in. Because we got a world to win. What are you doing to win your world? When have you come to your pastor and said, Pastor, I'll do whatever you want me to do because I don't want a bag of holes in this last hour? Talking about purpose, finding your purpose. What were you born to do? I said it this morning. I'm saying it tonight. You need to find purpose. It is not okay for you to just come sit on the pew. You should be involved in the building up of the house of God. The building up of this end time apostolic church. You'll be surprised when you start surrendering and you give all. You'll be surprised at the things you didn't know you could do in God. That when the anointing comes on you, you'll be seeing folks healed. You'll be seeing miracles. You'll be praying people through to the Holy Ghost. You'll be working for God. And that's when the joy comes. The joy goes when you don't have purpose. People get obsessed with things in their lives. With a stronghold that the enemy set up. Well, if God would have done that for me and if that would have come through and if it would have happened, then I wouldn't be in this shape. You need to get your mind off of what you thought should have been. You need to get your mind off what you obsess about. And get your mind on the kingdom. You just choose that's what you do. You shut that door. You give it to God. And you choose to get your mind on the kingdom. And you just start out working. The best way is to get on your knees and say, Lord, reevaluate me. My motives, my thoughts, what I want. Reevaluate me. Because I'm ready, Lord, to do more. And you watch what God will do. The doors will begin to fling open. The joy will come back. You will have joy in serving God again. You'll be shouting up here like everybody else. Because the joy will come back when you find purpose. They weren't living like his people. 
they were living their own lives. I was in Bible college at Apostolic Bible Institute. Actually, they called it Apostolic Bridal Institute. <laughs> and the late Brother Saban was preaching a message. I will never forget the message, never forget the title, because of one story he told. The Lord brought this back to my mind when he gave me this message, a bag with holes. Brother Saban told about a young girl who was in her first year of Bible college who came from a great church. She was raised in church. Her parents sent her to Bible college because of her calling on her and, and on the ministry in her life. She'd already been ministering in her home church and had a definite call in her life. And she was attending Bible college and growing in God. And there was something about this girl that was, people were drawn to her because she was very beautiful. She was a wholesome beauty. There's a difference. And in her wholesomeness and her beautiful face and countenance, she could talk to anyone. It gave her just a gift to get into the hearts of people. She had this ability. She was going to do great things for God. But this girl was at the mall one day doing a little shopping on a Saturday while she was there at school when a woman approached her. And she said, I have noticed you and noticed your beauty, your beautiful hair, your, your beautiful skin, your face. And I want to give you a proposition today. I want you to fill out this little paperwork and I'm going to be calling you from this modeling agency. And you are such a beauty, it would be a shame to waste. The girl didn't really think too much about it, but she did stop and fill out that questionnaire mistake. The devil began to work in her mind and they called her and they offered her a very large sum of money for a young person. Brother Saban said this girl came into the office and she sat down and she said, I want to tell you first because I've enjoyed your ministry and your class so much. And she began to break the news to him. He begged her. He said, this will be the biggest mistake of your life. You have dedicated your life to the service and the work of God, to the kingdom. God is going to use you and has used you mightily. Please, he begged her, don't do this. She said, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. And don't worry about me. I'll, I'll be all right. There was nothing he could do. She broke her parents' heart. She made that phone call home. She wasn't coming home. She was getting her own apartment. With the money that was going to come in, she could have it all. He told this story and how he wept over that girl, but never heard from her again. Many years later, he was in a store, and he had come upon this woman that was extremely scarred and marred. Her face, her hairline, everything about her face was disfigured from 
looked like burns, scarring from burns. He said it was one of those moments when you glance at someone and you want to stare because it is so out of the ordinary and horrendous. He said, I made myself look away, but it seemed to be so horrible. But I looked right into her eyes before I looked away, and there was a familiar look there in her eyes. He said, she ran and caught me and touched me on the arm and said, Brother Saban, I know you couldn't possibly recognize me and gave him her name. I sat in your office and you warned me. You told me don't do it. You told me not to venture off and sign up with that agency and I did. It has been almost 20 years ago and I went that path. I did things I never thought I would do. Because sin takes you farther than you thought you'd go. He said, I gave my, she said, I gave my life over to the enemy. And I got involved in all kinds of things. And the money was rolling in. And I had lots of nice stuff. But it never filled the void. I did not know how to get back to God. I had gone so far. And then there was a house fire. An explosion. I didn't get out in time. Third degree burns over 70% of my body. He, she said, but don't feel sorry for me. Because God loved me enough that he said, I'm going after her. And I know that perhaps this is the only thing that will cause her to turn back. Don't make God blow on your life. <laughs> The name of that message was what God can bless, God can curse. I'm here tonight to tell you, and it's, this is very hard for me. Uh, it's a warning, a siren blowing in this building. Be very careful about where you're spending your money, what you're doing with your time, how you're walking with God. Just as that prophet, I'm sure, quaking and shaking, went before that governor, Zerubbabel, and he gave that warning. I believe God is sounding the warning to the church tonight, the end time church, that we got to get back and rebuild. Not rebuild an old temple back then, but rebuild the end time book of Acts we got to get back to the gifts of the spirit we got to get back to prayer and fasting we've got to get back to giving like we've never given we got to get back to the giving of our time and our abilities that God gave us hallelujah hallelujah oh there are promises that will come with it God told them, if you will do this, I will be with you. He's not going to leave us. He's going to be with us. He's going to see it through to completion. He's going to see us all the way to heaven. And we're going to take lots of folks with us. But you have to be willing. I have to be willing. And I, I'm going to do this. To reevaluate my life. I've sung that song. I will give you all. I will give you all. If all is what you ask of me. I will not withhold. And if my sacrifice is less. Than giving you my very best. Let me remember Calvary's cross. 
and be willing to say yes. We got to take up our cross, folks, and follow him wherever he leads. You're not too old. You're not too young. Your body's not too broken. You start giving of yourself and you watch God begin to restore what hurts. Begin to give you supernatural strength. Begin to help you through. When I went to Africa, one of the times I went to Uganda to minister in the orphanages. I've told you about it before. There was a little girl, and I, I'm closing. The little girl got on the bus the very first day, and you have to understand, they are on their way to the orphanage, two-hour drive on a big old, like a city bus, and the stench is horrible, and they stop along the way and pick up children from the, the villages. Children are running and screaming and chasing the bus. And many times there are so many more than what you can put on the bus. We're throwing water bottles and food and candy and things out the bus windows. And they just can't all come to the service. The little girl got on the bus and I always sat by the window. I would have my handkerchief sprayed with perfume. And it wouldn't matter if you had fresh air. There was no fresh air. For 10 days there was no fresh air. The running water was a trickle, not even warm water. A trickle coming down into the bathtub. It, there, there was no air conditioning for 10 days. Even in the hotel I stayed in. The hotel that I stayed in had rats the size of cats running around the breakfast room while we ate uh, cold white rice and some toast and a little fruit and prayed earnestly that we wouldn't get parasites. I took all kinds of vaccines, typhoid and yellow fever and polio and all kinds of vaccines that had to be ordered in for me because those things are still alive and well in those countries. AIDS has taken over that country of Uganda. The children are left without parents. There's disease running out of their noses and ears. Their, their, their hair is all shaved because there's big patches missing from parasites. Nothing could have prepared me. But you see, when you say, I will give you all, you may teach a Bible study with the roaches running down the walls. You may go into the prisons. You, you may go into the crack house. God may have you working with the addicts. That's what real ministry looks like now when you say I will give you all but really a rat running around in my room <laughs> their rats are huge they put them on sticks and eat them fry them over an open fire cook them till they're black till their the parasites have to be dead and then they eat them it's running around in my room I, I run to the front desk I, I, I'm screaming <laughs> And I got my blanket for some reason and my pillow in my arms. And I run to the front desk and I tell the two boys there that know a little broken English. And they laugh out loud at me. They think it's funny. And I make them come with me to the room. They come with me to the room and, and they, they point under the door. There, there's a patio that's a little place you can just stand on. And there's a big opening under the door like that. that and he points. He said, it go there. Well, how do I know it go there? I'm getting ready to sleep there. How do I know it go there? And I don't know whether to stuff something under that door so it can't get back in or am I stuffing it so it can, has to stay in. So you talk about just trusting the Lord. Slept like a baby. Peace of God just came in. Because he said he would be with you. He told them I'll be with you. If you'll do this, I'll be with you. 
you can do hard things. So I get on that bus and the very first morning, and this little girl hops on that bus, and I got my head out the window, and I'm holding my hanky because the, the sewer system's running down the sides of the dirt roads, and there's babies playing in it with sticks. And this little girl sits down beside me, and she looks up at me, and she strokes my, my white arm, and she strokes my face, and she smiles real big. And I open up my purse, and I give her big pink sunglasses, and she puts them on. Then I show her a mirror. She's never seen herself in a mirror. And she smiles. And I said, what's your name? Some of the children know a little broken English. Most of them don't know any. But I, I took a chance. She said, Balouche. I said, Balouche? She said, no, Balouche. I said it three times and gave up because <laughs> I, I just couldn't do it just right. <laughs> and she just laughed. She had the most beautiful, bright smile, but hollow eyes. No parents. Broken. Living in a little shanty with cardboard. No running water. Thirsty, hungry all the time. She rode out there to the orphanage and she said, she sat beside me the whole way and she hooked her little arm through my arm and she just sat and smiled at me. I ministered to the children. That's what I went to do. There was a medical team. There was a team to teach them songs and games. And there were a lot of teenagers there to play with them. And we took clothing. We took all kinds of supplies. And, but I was there to minister. I brought out my little hearts. Imagine that. And I talked to them about a man named Jesus who was coming back in the sky to take them away to a place called heaven. And that if they wanted to go to that place, see, they wanted to get out of this. People taking them into sex slavery in the night wake up every morning and some of the children are gone. Horror, living in horror, living in fear. Sick. Parasites winding through their stomach up into their abdominal cavity, into their heart and choking the very life out of them. Huts, I saw huts piled full of babies and children dying of AIDS. What do you do with all that? But you step into the authority of the name of Jesus and you give them truth. And in truth there is hope. And you tell them about a Jesus is coming back to get them, to take them out of this mess. And they're going to live forever with so much to eat and a place to run and play. And they'll never be hurting again. They'll never be sick again. They'll never be broken again. They'll never be sad again. They'll never be lonely again. I preached a message before I even got finished. They lifted their little hands into the air, 1,500 of them on the inside and many more hundreds on the outside. And the Holy Ghost began to fall in that building and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave utterance they were shaking under the power of God and Belush that big beautiful smile and I looked down and I could spot her because she still had on her pink sunglasses and she was speaking with other tongues Belush my little friend. I made the announcement. Now we're going to teach you what Jesus said about baptism. I had the 
interpreter come and take a child out of the audience and show the children how we would take them to the water and down under the water and say, in Jesus' name. And that will get you ready for Jesus who's coming back to get you. Now, I said, how many of you want to be baptized? In Jesus' name. If you want to be baptized now, stand up and walk towards the door with the American team. As I said it, the enemy said, Boy, you just made a mess. They're all going to go run and it's going to be a stampede. They're going to topple over each other. Somebody's going to get hurt. It's going to be a mess. You don't tell them to follow the American team because that means candy and food and games. And, and that was really a dumb way to say that. See, you're always going to have... The enemy. Oh, we're afraid to rebuild the temple because the, the, the oppressive enemies that are coming against us. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. It was like angels walked among those children and took them by the hands. Those that lifted their little hands that they wanted to be baptized. And they walked them just nice and orderly out that side door. 207 of them. They were lined up. They were getting their names. They only know first names. They were getting their first names. They were lining them up for baptism. And I, I'm feeling so good about what just happened. Wow, this is more than I could have ever dreamed. And then there's a clap of thunder. And torrential rains start falling. The leaders are shaking their heads. The, the local pastor comes and he says, there, there is no rain this time of year. This is not the rainy season. you got to get to the bus now. The roads will be washed out. These big jackfruits are falling off the trees. One of those hits you in the head. People have been left unconscious. The children are running and screaming and scattering, to running to the little huts. And, and they escort me. They grab me by the arm and they take me to the bus. And I got my head out that window and I'm thinking, what in this world? I know I obeyed the leading of the Spirit. We'll never find those 204, 7, the one to be baptized again. I'm weeping all the way back to the hotel, my head out the window. And, and, and I'm thinking, what in the world did I miss it, God? I, I'm repenting. I'm searching my heart. Fitful night of sleep and back in the next morning. And when I got off the bus, the sun is shining. And the local pastor meets me and he says, Sister Vicki, you had no idea what you're doing. He said, we have to charter buses for baptism. We don't have any water. We take them to the Nile River. He said, we have to pay money and charter buses. We have to plan a baptism. We don't just say, let's go get baptized. He said, you, you, just, you didn't know what you were doing. He said, but somebody knew what you were doing because we never have rain this time of year. It's not, it just doesn't, and certainly not that kind of rain. He said, but guess what? There's a little swamp down a little dirt path that's waist high to a man this morning because it rained all night. He's going to be with us. <laughs> He's going to help us. Don't be afraid. To give all. He's going to meet your needs. He's going to supply everything you need to do it. You won't go hungry. If you take less hours. And give more to the kingdom. His economy's best. 
And so there they were all lined up, 207 of them. They got them all back in order, got them all ready, and we're walking down a dirt path, and they're singing at the top of their lungs. If you've never heard Africans sing, you just need to hear it because God gave them such beautiful harmony. They don't have instruments, sometimes a little drum, but they sing in harmony, and it's so beautiful. They're born with it. The children all sing. They were singing, Jesus is better, better, better than anything at the top of their lungs. We're walking down this dirt path. The bush is this high. The woods. Snakes. Mambas. All kinds of things you don't ever want to face. They're all in there. The Lord says, look to your right. I'm thinking, oh man, here we go. I'm following this path. We're close. You can't, you can't go to the right. You can't go to the left. You, you couldn't run away from anything. The Lord said, look. I looked to my right. He said, now look to your left. And here are the very bushes that the crown of thorns were made out of. These big, long thorns that are woven through that deep bush woods. All the way, all the way on that path from the top to the bottom. Here is the crown of thorns. <laughs> he said, it's symbolic. They're walking the road to Calvary. It opened up into a swamp full of leeches and snakes and bugs and our American preachers, four of them down there in that water just ready and those kids jumping in that water and they're baptizing them in the name of Jesus and they don't just come out and stand there a minute and get a towel. Oh no, they're jumping and dancing and shouting all over the banks talking in tongues. <laughs> And here comes Belouche. She laid her little pink sunglasses on the bank. And she went down in the water in Jesus' name. She came out shouting and dancing and talking in tongues. We had one more day. Then we'd be going home to America. See, you can, you can go through anything when you know you're going home. But they stay there. <laughs> it's our last day at the orphanage. We said our goodbyes that day. And on the way out, we stopped along the way at those same little houses. I was waiting because there might be five people sitting on that seat beside me. But when Belush got on that bus... <laughs> She made her way in. She sat on them, on me, until somebody scooted. Now she had my purse on her arm. She had a scarf around her neck, and she had pink sunglasses. And her little arm would be hooked right in mine. And this day, she caught me by surprise. I didn't see her get on. And there's a commotion. The bus is filling up. I've got on sandals, my bare feet on top. I feel something unusual, something flopping, something gross. And I look down, and there's a chicken, a little scrawny, probably disease-ridden chicken, flopping around on my feet, my bare feet. I react like a city girl. I scream. I jump up. 
And I look over and I realize Belushi's brought the chicken. And I say, Belushi, is that your chicken? I said, get the chicken off the bus. You can't take a chicken on the bus. We're going to the orphanage. Take that chicken off the bus. Belushi picks up the chicken, throws it over her shoulder. She scoots everybody out. She scoots everybody out of the way. Belushi gets out in the yard and I watch her, her little shack with cardboard (laughs) she lets the chicken loose in the yard she gets back on the bus and she doesn't hook her arm in mine she sits down beside me and she folds her little arms and underneath the pink sunglasses I see big tears rolling I said Belush what's the matter what's wrong she said you Not like my gift. You see, the gift of a chicken, however parasitic and skinny it was, is food. Food is everything there. They get one little bowl of wet mash put in their hands one time a day at the orphanage, and they eat it. Because they're starved. Nothing else. But that chicken was only one. Belonged to the family. What price would she have had to pay for giving it away? And I realized as I comforted her and said, I'm so sorry, Belush. I loved your chicken. Thank you. But I want you to keep your chicken for you, for your family. I'm so sorry. And I realized that even though I'm willing to sleep in a a room with rats, and I promise to give all. Really, I've given so little. That was what it looks like when you give all. So grateful for the Holy Ghost. So grateful that you've taken on his name in baptism. So grateful that he ever died for you, that he loves you. That you bow your knee and you say, Lord, I will give you all. Whatever that looks like. Oh, I know. It's a painful message, not nearly as much for you as it is for me. But there is a call tonight. This can be a life-changing moment if someone will get up and run to this altar and say, you know what, whatever that looks like, Lord, the rest of my days, however many I have, I want to sell out and give you all. Would you stand? I should not have to beg for you to come. I shouldn't have to give an altar call. If we can't come bow our knee with the Lord breathing on this service like he is right now, then we're hopeless. Come on, get out of your seats, bow. I want to hear our weeping together. A call for change. I know I can do more. I'm willing, Jesus, whatever that looks like.
I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll give till I have no more to give of my time, my money, my ability, whatever I can do. If all is what you ask of me, then I will not withhold. I will give you all. 